Well, good morning. Nice to see uh, so many of you here today. Hope you're all having a, a wonderful week so far. It's always a nice thing to hear on a Sunday, right? Check back with you about Tuesday, right? Uh, well, uh, we like to dismiss, of course, the little ones to Children's Church this time. And if you take a look in your bulletin, uh, just a real quick disclaimer. Uh, you have to forgive your preacher a little bit for another slight change in plan. Um, the message published has uh, been postponed to next week uh, due to some different events. Our text this morning will not be from Malachi. We're actually going to turn to the 12th chapter of Romans. And these kind of changes, yes, usually do happen about 10 minutes after Betsy has hit print on the bulletin. So, and I apologize for that, Betsy. Before we jump into uh, Romans 12, uh, would, you, would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. Lord, I, I thank you for this um, awesome opportunity to open your word, to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, I thank you for including us in your plan the way you do. Lord, there's so many of us here today who are hurting, who are uh, close to someone who is. Lord, we, ha we have hurts, we have hang-ups, we have uh, broken relationships or uh, illnesses. Lord, we, we live in a broken world. And God, I just pray that you would reach through all of it this morning, touch our hearts, Make us receptive to you. Clear our minds. Work in us, Lord, to where we, we understand that anything that, that we may be involved in or dealing with at this time is temporary. You are eternal. Lord, I thank you for those promises that, that we have in your word. And, and I just pray, as we've mentioned earlier today, that uh, each one of us would, would experience that spiritual revival in our hearts for you. Be with me now as I, as I bring your word. Help it be honoring to uh, your intent and glorifying to who you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Came across an interesting uh, online article uh, published in the Canadian press our neighbors to the north, right? I have to be honest, it amazes me there are people who actually want to live where it gets colder than it does here. <laughs> just, just being honest. This article discussed uh, the number of outstanding arrest warrants in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Anybody been there? Got one. There was a Canadian police inspector by the name of Don Moser. Mr. Moser was troubled by the 700 offenders on the lam for violent and nonviolent offenses. So he decided to try something different to get these numbers down, to get these offenders put into police custody. He declared a voluntary surrender day. How well do you think that went over? 
The idea behind the Voluntary Surrender Day was that these members of the community who had a, a warrant against them for arrest could just walk right in some place and, and join other community offenders in giving themselves up. And I'm not sure if a free hot dog was given out as part of the deal or not. There's usually a gimmick. But the idea came to fruition. The Halifax police readied cameras and paperwork fingerprint files. Moser and company made their, their presence known at a community center over the weekend. You know, you didn't have to go to the police station, you can go to the community center. And guess how many offenders showed up to voluntarily surrender that day? Zero. Zero out of 700 ain't bad, right? But you can't blame the police for trying something different. As the uh, Canadian press reported about the situation, they aren't ready to wave the white flag yet. So give yourself up day for Nova Scotia police officers may be back. Uh, stay tuned for that report. But regardless of the, of the free hot dog, I don't know if that was part of it or not, but. We can't imagine why there was such a low turnout for Voluntary Surrender Day, right? It, it's as if a person wants to hang on to their freedom as long as we can. Here's a funny question. Do we have any fans of the, the, the man in black here this morning, Johnny Cash? One, two, three, four. That's more than people that have been in Nova Scotia. Just imagine you as a Johnny Cash fan. Let's say you were, were wanted for murder. Let's just say, I don't know, maybe you shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Always wanted to say that into a mic. When you're Johnny Cash singing Folsom Prison Blues uh, facing either Halifax Prison or the fancy dining train car, let's be honest, which option are you going to choose? In the song, Johnny knew which uh, way he'd be going if he could. We don't easily want to give ourselves up. Interestingly enough, that's exactly what the church is called to do. Exactly what we're called to do. We're called to walk right up to the authority on high and offer ourselves voluntarily to him to wave the white flag. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 our text for today tells us the following, if you follow with me. Paul writes this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's our text from Romans. Paul is saying, give yourself up. It's a day of surrender. God is calling you to surrender to him fully. But it's got to be your decision. The ball is in your court on that one. No one's going to force you. The decision must be you give yourself up to the one who, guess what, has, has uh, given himself up for you 
I think um, many of us here today uh, probably understand this imagery. We hear about it often. Uh, this Old Testament backdrop, which Paul is using with this appeal, this appeal he has in verse 1 of his text. If, we're, if we were to go uh, to the original Greek text, we would find a verb in there, uh, parakaleo. I'm sure that's not the, the uh, most accurate Greek pronunciation, but, but bear with me. We've translated this uh, Greek word into the word appeal. Parakaleo conveys the idea uh, that this is something authoritative with a sense of urgency. Often in, in our scripture, in our text, this word parakaleo, uh, we find it related to another word, paraclete. We heard the word paraclete before. That describes the power of the Holy Spirit. So with the authority, uh, not of Inspector Don Moser, but the Holy Spirit, comes this admonishment to the church uh, by way of Paul. This, this message here, who is this for? This is to the church. Specifically, at this point, it was to the church at Rome. It's all of us here this morning as well, to the already saved. Paul says this, Come to the altar of God, not with the body of a pigeon or a sheep of old, but with your own body. Because Christ gave up his body for you, Hebrews 10, 12. Because God has big plans for you. And this appeal of Paul's, Paul uses this Old Testament imagery. His audience at the time would have been familiar with it. We're, we're familiar with it today as well. Every single one of us in this room, if we're Christians, if we're baptized believers of Jesus Christ, we're called to give ourselves up for Jesus, because this is what it means to follow the divine example. Paul calls it our spiritual worship, to throw ourselves upon the altar, to give ourselves up, to wave the white flag, to say, I surrender. And so I want to take a few moments this morning and encourage you, no matter who you are, no matter your story or your circumstances or, or what's going on in your life, or your hurts or your hang-ups or, or your, your troubles, think about what it means to surrender. This call to surrender unto the Lord is the sign of the defeat that you were made for. Often in this life, we feel like giving up. That's because we're supposed to. Many of us know that service to Christ is indeed a full body experience. If you're, a, a, for example, a, a preacher, maybe, maybe you've known some other preachers, maybe even some that were better looking than me. Thanks. That was actually the punchline there. There's an illustration that, that comes across social media from time to time, and, and I like this. It shows an, an iceberg floating in, in the ocean, and uh, there's two parts to it. Uh, one part of the iceberg is, is above water. The other part is submerged. The part of the iceberg that's on the top of the water is captioned, Sermon Delivery. And the giant uh, underlying body of ice 
is the part of the iceberg marked sermon preparation. It's about eight times bigger than the part, you know, that's floating on top. And, and, and what I'm doing here right now, this sermon delivery, it's just the tip of the iceberg, uh, which is why every now and again I, I change my plans on what I'm delivering, uh, usually an hour before I'm to get up and get it, get it. Preaching begins with this weekly opening and, and studying and, and praying over God's word. It proceeds with getting out a uh, cell phone or laptop or whatever it is I'm, I'm going to outline or get my thoughts together for the message. Uh, continues with, uh, for, for me, about 8 to 16 hours of composing, editing, re-editing, and sometimes editing a fourth time. Sometimes I'll run it by my wife so she can get rid of all the terrible jokes. Then we finally arrive at what, what you all encounter, this delivery. It's not easy work, but it's, I believe, anointed work, godly work, work I'm honored and blessed to be called to do, but it's work that requires surrender. A person that, that does the work of a, a professional minister, a preaching minister, an evangelist, that person presents their body, presents who they are as a living sacrifice to God. This is their spiritual worship to him. No one uh, really goes into the ministry for the money, not if they intend to preach the Bible the way it's written. But we, we go into ministry uh, professionally because we're, we're called to do so. And often, as a preacher, uh, and I'm just starting with myself because I know myself, when one is in the ministry, it's, it's likely we're going to uh, spend uh, time doing other things too. A couple hours, if not more than a few hours, uh, knocking on some doors or, or riding in a car to get on uh, some hospital elevators in different places. Uh, it's, it's tiring work. Uh, it can be exhausting work, especially if you've got any physical challenges. Many times it requires long days. It's not hard physical labor, uh, but, but it is taxing, but it's a blessing to do it. There's some difficult stories you have to sort out from time to time. There's uh, dysfunctional situations, difficult relationships to counsel. There's really no end to the, the grief that you encounter uh, in office visits and, and on the telephone. There's, there's times that you feel like crying, and sometimes you do, because being a professional minister uh, is not an easy sacrifice. Here's the thing. Uh, Focus on the Family actually reports that 80% of Bible school graduates who enter the ministry leave the ministry within the first five years. Wow. Wow. But well, what about those who remain? We, we, we keep at it. I can't speak for everyone, but I'd like to think most of us keep at it because by the mercies of God, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice is our spiritual worship. That's our spiritual worship. I, I love my job. I love being in ministry. I love being a preacher. Uh, Lord willing, I'll be doing this for years and be doing it right here as well. But, but it's, it's not an easy, easy job. It requires waking up in the morning and waving that white flag, waving the white flag of surrender. But, but here's the thing. The same actually goes for every one of you following the call of Christ too. No matter the call, no matter the call, 
The same goes uh, for the elders among us. Those that are charged with guarding the spirituality of the people, Hebrews 13, 17. If you're one of the uh, elders of this congregation and you're active in, in tending to the congregation's spiritual needs along with the minister, and, and, I've, and I've seen uh, the elders here, I've seen you guys, it's, it's a tireless, thankless job that doesn't end when the sun goes down and uh, you're not even getting paid for it. like to encourage you, if, if you don't already pray for the elders of Ferris Church of Christ regularly, I encourage you to do that. The white flag of surrender isn't easy for the preacher, but it can't be easier for any of these guys either. I just want to uh, draw attention just, just a uh, minute. Uh, I don't know if he'll like this or not, but God bless him. Uh, George Waldron spent 55 years serving as one of our elders and um, I'm getting ready to, to turn 38, so I can't really fathom serving 55 years somewhere. But, um, George, you've probably done it because it's a living sacrifice, amen? There were probably a few times in which George could have probably thought of a few other things he could have done besides teaching a class or Bible study or going to a meeting. But this is spiritual worship to God. And I could go on and on this morning uh, in light of Romans 12.1. You know, we've, we, we've got other people here that serve uh, deacons. We've got deacons who often uh, thanklessly serve our churches down to the very physical needs of the church. Often uh, we don't see. We don't see all that is done. Uh, difficult. This is such a difficult calling. Uh, their duties aren't even specifically named in Scripture. How would you like a job where you don't know what it is? That's deacon. I sent an email once to Larry Carter at Great Lakes. Could you send me a book or give me information on a book on service to deacon? And he wrote me back and said, I don't think there's one out there that exists, but thank you for the email. You might mow a lawn, you might rewire uh, some lighting, or, or sometimes you'll climb a ladder on top of a table on top of a couple of fuses to change a light bulb. Only Okay, only Tony does that. But, <laughs> but these guys keep busy. It's a living sacrifice. I don't want to name names this morning. I'll leave people out, but tips of icebergs, this is another one. You know, all the Bible study leaders and the small group leaders and the women's group and service group leaders, men's group leaders and prayer warriors and praise team members and Sunday school teachers, custodians and, and kitchen helpers, and, and I can think of many, many more. And some people, they don't, they don't have a title specifically, but they're here and they're serving and they're ministering uh, just as the deacon or the minister would serve. We're all servants. There are so many of us, by the mercies of God, presenting themselves physically as living sacrifices. Not because the work is easy, but because it's our spiritual worship to Him. But these sacrifices must go beyond the church building. And here's the part we don't, we, we don't want to forget this morning. Because we can't be people of surrender. There's a temptation but we can't be people of surrender and also people who say, well, it's Sunday morning, so I'll hit the Christian time clock for a couple of hours, and once lunchtime hits, I've got my worship in for the week. That doesn't work. The Romans 12.1 altar of sacrifice does not stay in the temple. <laughs> the temple goes with you. 
We're actually expected to be living sacrifices everywhere we go. So if we're living sacrifices, it won't just show in the way we appear to put our families first in God on a Sunday morning. It will show in the way we put God first in our families the rest of the week. And if we're living sacrifices, it will show in the way we give of our time and our tithes of offerings and in our talents in the way we encourage others to do the same in and out of this place. If we're living sacrifices, it will be known in our friendships and shown in our business dealings, reflected in our neighborhoods. Uh, People will be able to see it on our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram feeds. If we're living sacrifices, our wives and kids and mothers and creditors and accountants and best friends and even our pets, even our pets will know our good character. I don't have a verse for that. But everyone will know and see just as consistently as we appear to the preacher that we're living sacrifices. If we're living sacrifices, we'll stand out among all of those uh, who refuse to submit to authority like the 700 of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Strangers will be able to tell there's something different about us. If we're living sacrifices, uh, we will no longer care about self-promotion. We will be vehicles for Jesus' promotion in real time and online. We we talk about Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi hotspots. We'll become like Wi-Fi hotspots for Almighty God, wherever we are, uh, feeding off of Him. Sometimes we hear from people, people like to say things like, well, I don't have to come to the church building to worship God. I can do that anywhere. And yes, that's true. But the question is, do you? Do you give yourself up to God all the time, everywhere? We live in a world that's convinced us sometimes to compartmentalize our faith. Live how we want the rest of the week except for when we're at the church building. And this isn't sacrifice. A world that convinces us to turn our idea of personal care into personal checklists. To build up structures of, of, and events rather than the people that we know to build up our own kingdom instead of extend the kingdom of God. And this temptation exists for those of us who are new Christians and for ministers alike. So I think it helps to remember this text. Outside of Jesus, we're conformed to the world. Paul says, Romans 12, 2. Let's read this verse again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And guess what? This is passive. One commentator notes, Paul's verb is passive here. This means if you don't intentionally resist the world, be transformed, active. If you don't actively resist the world, you're going to be conformed to it. If we're not transformed, we're still being conformed. Unfortunately, there are people in the church whose Christianity is still all about my talents, my gifts, my worship services, my ministries, my offering, my marriage, my children, how I spend my money, how I use my time, and what other people can do for me. And this mindset doesn't work, and when it creeps into the church, the Bible says Galatians 5, 9, it will affect everybody as well in the church. But surrender, surrender means it's not I, but Christ who lives within me. Galatians 2.20. When we surrender to an infinite, eternal God, when we wave that white flag, 
Not just when we, we make a decision for Jesus, but each day I get up and I decide to live for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I can be renewed to discern God's will. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, isn't that a good news? Isn't that good to hear? Life can truly become all about God again as it was meant to be. God's talents and God's gifts and God's worship services, God's ministries, God's offering in the plate, God's marriages. God's children, how I spend God's money, how I use God's time, and what I can do for the people God made. You see the difference? And then what can happen in these situations is that surrender can make the difficult times not easy, but perhaps bearable, and strengthen us in the good times to make them better times, to give them purpose. Amen? Maybe you're discouraged this morning, my friends. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and you're thinking about this text and you're reading through it in your mind and, and you're thinking, well, maybe this can happen for some people, but it's just not happening in my corner of the battlefield. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're there today. Maybe you've been there recently. Maybe you think, I certainly don't see Christ becoming much of a, vi a victor in my life. I'm trying to do my best, but you know what? Life is hard. It's not working. Going to God just doesn't seem to work for me. All I feel like I'm doing is bugging him. You ever feel like you're, like you're bugging God? Like, oh, what is it this time? Well, speaking of bugs, there, there's an illustration involving a, a caterpillar that, that seems quite pertinent this morning. And maybe you're thinking, really, preacher, a caterpillar story? Is this like from one of your homeschool books or what? This is not Family Sunday. But think on this. We don't have to necessarily have a, have a degree in uh, entomology. That's a big word. I looked it up. It's the study of insects. We don't have to have this to, to be at least slightly impressed with what God does through this thing called metamorphosis, right? I looked this up in one of these fancy journals. This is Scientific American here. This is really neat. A caterpillar, think about this. A caterpillar will hatch from an egg. You know what it does at this point? It begins stuffing itself with leaves. This is God at work. This is how God works in the little things. This caterpillar gets fat. This caterpillar is excused for, for stuffing itself and getting fat. That's pretty cool. Through a series of molts in which it, it, it sheds its skin. And, and one day this caterpillar will stop eating. It will hang itself from a twig or a leaf. It starts spinning this silky cocoon. This protective casing forms and within it, this caterpillar radically begins to transform. Its body begins to change and eventually it emerges as a butterfly. And yet there are people that don't believe that God exists. But this metamorphosis, this is the same thing that God does through us. It's the same thing he wills for you and me. What's the problem? Why don't we feel like we're experiencing butterfly-like transformation through Christ? Why do we feel like we just keep bugging him? 
Too often, we've been convinced by the world that remaining a caterpillar is a better way to go. We get used to living a bug's life, one that is unpleasant, unsuitable, and incomplete. But as Romans 12, 2 says, God has bigger plans for our lives. We have to allow him to change us. These are plans that involve what is good and acceptable and perfect. God wills to give us wings to make us fly. How does this happen? As Jack Cottrell writes, Christians must continue allowing ourselves to be recreated according to God's will. We have to allow for him to change us. This is a process that begins Romans 6 at baptism, continues through the truth of his word and the power of his spirit. Often uh, in the church of Christ, we like to say baptism is only the beginning. Well, if we think we're good enough specimens uh, to let God work on us at the beginning, we have to allow him to uh, continue to work on us. We can't stop when the change gets uncomfortable, when we want to be let out of that protective casing. We, have, we can't bust out and crawl away from God. We can't decide we've had enough transformation. Change doesn't happen overnight. But you know, if our great God can change a caterpillar, a caterpillar into a butterfly, what do you think he can do with us who have been made in his image? Whom he became one of to die upon a cross for. Do you think he cares maybe just a little bit more about our end result? But to become a butterfly, this is kind of gross, but think about this. A caterpillar literally digests itself. Literally dies to self. Literally. This is how God makes something better out of his creation. Sacrifice, self-sacrifice is always part of the deal. Hasn't he shown us this? And so no matter who you are or, or, or how you walk with God or where that walk is or however long you've been a Christian, however well you know the Bible or don't know the Bible, it doesn't matter. No matter your call to serve or your, your joys and fears and failures and successes and hardships and circumstances today, I know one thing about you for sure. God isn't finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet today. The question is, will you surrender? Will you continue to surrender? Allow God to change you, to make you whom he wills. That uh, volunteer surrender day, as I mentioned earlier, for uh, Halifax police, may have sounded like a, a lousy idea when I shared it with you. But what I didn't mention earlier from that particular news report is that it, it wasn't this inspector's idea. Uh, this volunteer surrender day had actually gone over quite well uh, earlier on in uh, Dartmouth. Uh, might be Dartmouth. I'm terrible with these northern pronunciations. Dartmouth, Nova Scotia in April 2016. On this earlier occasion, 12 offenders with 19 outstanding warrants did voluntarily surrender to local police. It just goes to show you sometimes that giving ourselves up isn't easy, but it works. It works. I alluded to this before, but Jesus himself has shown us this. That death to self is the only way 
to live a new life, to be resurrected. Would you give yourself up? Encourage the ones around you to do the same to the glory of God and allow him to change you slowly. may be painful, but it's the only way to go. Dug this up this week. I thought this was an interesting statistic. The first recorded usage of white flags was made during the Eastern, is it Han or Han dynasty? I just watched uh, Star Wars this weekend, so I'm a little off on that. Han dynasty? In China. China, anyway. We're talking about China here, not Star Wars. Eastern Han Dynasty in China. This was 25 years after the incarnation of Christ. That was the first time that we've got it recorded that somebody flew a white flag to surrender. But what I think's kind of significant about this is that 2,000 years later, this, this waving of a white flag, it, it still follows the presence of Jesus. Wherever he goes, he shows us the way. a way we can better appreciate the times of blessing, the only way we're going to endure the periods of hardship in our lives. Again, I said earlier, whether you feel like surrendering or not, the cross is calling. Today is the day will you give yourself up to. Pray with me. Lord, we, we don't live at an easy time. We live in a, in a broken world. We pay the price for sin. We pay the price for the sins of the fathers. We pay the price for our own sins. God, I just pray that no matter the circumstances in our lives, whether we're new Christians, been Christians for years, not Christians, that we not forget there is a price to be paid in, in this life because of sin. May we not forget, Lord, that until the day we, we meet you, there is a call upon us to draw closer to you and to make that known to those around us as well, that you desire a relationship with them. Lord, there are so many things in this world that, that compete for your attention, that compete for your worship. Lord, we have hobbies and we have habits, we have politics, we have entertainment, we have our own lives and our own agendas. All of these things desire your place and all of them will rob us from, the, from true joy. Only the joy and only the peace.
comes from you and can last for eternity. And so help us, Lord, no matter uh, where we are this morning, to remember to just hang on to, for a little while to you, to follow your example in our life, to remember the price that's been paid for us, and to be willing to make sacrifices in our lives as well. I thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, in, in our lives to, to get those things out of our, our way that keep us from you so that we may be the sacrifices, the living sacrifices that you call us to be. We thank you so much for the cross. We thank you so much for the blood that's been shed for our sins. And it is in the name of Jesus to pray these things, amen. And if you think about that, the suffering, the suffering and, and the death and the resurrection, you know, I was thinking about this the other day that um, in comparison with God, the way Scripture reveals God, my problems are, are, are infinitely small. Infinitely small, meaning you can't even measure them, you know, in comparison with God, but yet, you know, God cares about those problems. He cares about those problems. And He loves me. And he is there. And he will be there longer than anything that happens to me in this world. Anything I must endure here. Any of our circumstances or, or uh, hardships, difficulties. Even that cost of surrender. And one day, one day, the, 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 a blessed day will come in which he will make everything right for every single one of us. That's the hope we have. That's the hope we've always had. And this morning, we call you. If you've not made a decision for Jesus Christ, if you've not given yourself up, if you've not said, hey, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I confess him as my Savior, and I want to go down into those waters of baptism and come up a new creation and begin that walk with him, if you've not done that, we, we call you to come... We invite you to come forward. We're going to stand and sing this song, that, this old song that sums it all up. I surrender all, all to Jesus.